politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight for our liberties to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, in the house here on Wednesday, February 24th for another terrific day of truth-telling. And it's not about telling the truth a year too late or a month too late. It's about being ahead of the curve, as we always are here. There's no curve to flatten. You don't flatten the curve. You get ahead of the curve. It's true of a virus. It's true of a misinformation war. And it's true of the fight for our republic. That's why I need you guys to tune in every day here. See our podcast. You could subscribe on iTunes. Drop us a five-star rating there to help get the word out. So we're not stuck with these other phony conservative podcasters who are a a month or a year too late. That's really what it is. Now I was going back into some of my shows from March of last year. Warning about all of this. And it was all proven right. It was all proven right that there's nothing we can do from a non-pharmaceutical intervention standpoint to stop this. We can only do harm. All we could do is pharmaceutical interventions, better treatments, as I noted yesterday. That's the one thing our government blocks. We'll talk about that a little bit today. But that's what it is. I'm sick of a movement that's reactionary, just reacting. Okay, you know, too late. Why am I the only one spending as much time as I can with – the 31 GOP-controlled legislatures. You know, they're focused on Congress when they, there's nothing they can do, but what about in all those states where they're starting to do some good things, blocking other good things, doing weak things or weaker things than they can do? Where's the movement? Well, we're creating that movement. Today is really, what is it? The hundred. And 86th anniversary of the Alamo when it began. This was the day, February 24th, 1836, San Antonio, when Colonel William Travis issued that call for help, sent out couriers that they were surrounded by an army of 5,000. They only had a few hundred. He joined forces with uh, Colonel Bowie. And he addressed the, plea, addressed the pleas to the people of Texas and all Americans in the world with now the famous phrase that he signed it with, victory or death. And I feel like we're in an Alamo moment and we don't have anyone trying to bring reinforcements. It just It's just truly bizarre. And I think those of you who find and discover this show and have discovered it recently realize what we're missing elsewhere. But look, I can't affect other people. I could just do what I do. So I'm working a lot in legislatures. But it really is about defining the narrative. So we have an alternative vision for everything. And actually, our vision gets out even before theirs. But instead, our vision never gets out. Whatever it is. Now, having an alternative vision starts with with really an alternative economy, as I've noted. A lot of us are having trouble finding corporations to support for our goods and services that aren't bought in to the censorship, the communism, the postmodernism, 
And one of the things that's often hard is your mobile phone service. Which one are you going to pick? AT&T, Comcast, T-Mobile? Nope. Folks, you're going to pick today's sponsor, Patriot Mobile. They expanded their coverage dramatically, so it's easier for you to dump the big carriers who give their money to the left. Instead, Patriot Mobile donates to conservatives. It's the only Christian conservative wireless provider in America. Obviously, they'll never silence you. They're big supporters of free speech. You could switch with confidence because, like anything else, you could use the same network as the large providers, but they charge less. They they uh, allow you to keep your phone number or your phone, or you could buy a new phone, build your own bundle with multi-line discounts. Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Veterans and first responders will save even more with a larger discount. This month, get free premiere activation where they set up the phone for you and a special gift as well with the offer code CR. That's patriotmobile.com slash CR, patriotmobile.com slash CR, or 972-PATRIOT. So, speaking of Patriots and the Alamo reinforcements, I mentioned this on Monday and we followed up Yesterday's show talking about how our government is doing everything they can to destroy our lives except for actually addressing the critical protocols for what people should do when they get COVID, addressing doctors and PCPs so they know, okay, they get fever, they're this age, this health status, get them, you know, into those uh, um infusions that that Trump got that work so well uh, monocle antibodies ivermectin hydroxychloroquine always bulk up on zinc vitamin D vitamin C some other things why are we left to scrounge up with a couple of voices that have no platform or are deplatformed for saying that this is the biggest thing imagine Upset, a killing life because of COVID. I'm a COVID cultist. And then you don't even do the one thing that can and is needed to head off a more serious version of the virus if someone's bound to get it early on. So that's something we talked about yesterday. It's all about being ahead of the curve. Again, I was speaking last night. I'm doing this every night to try to, I work during the day and speak on the phone at night to various state legislators. And, you know, I was speaking with one from West Virginia. We are talking about, is it worth bringing in some of my experts to speak to the GOP caucus, to speak before a committee hearing? And we're gaming out what's worth it and what's not worth it. And, you know, certain things he's telling me, look, you know, the Republicans just aren't there. They think the people want this stuff, even in West Virginia. They want the masks and they're scared. But this is the problem when you're not ahead of the curve. When we go 10 months allowing them to define the narrative and you don't start. I hate it when the left scares people and we're like, ah, I think people bought into it. So we're not even going to start the education process. Because the problem is when you don't even start the education process early on, at some point you're going to have to start it and then you're 10 months behind. It's always worth fighting and debunking what they do. Even if you're not going to win that time, 
you at least create a backstop so you call your shot, you put them on notice, people hear there's another side, they're still kind of scared, but then when they start seeing more absurdities, double masking, hypocrisy, uh, you have to get the vaccine, but even after the vaccine, then they're like, wait a minute, but if you don't start building the case, you're never going to get anywhere. Results are for God, actions are for us. You got to take action. So again, we're building our state-based teams. ConAction.network is the website if you want to sign up to join one of those state teams. But we need to start educating one after another how every premise that is being used to lock us down is being done under false pretexts. Everyone. All the information that's being put out is being done under false pretexts premises, pretext. That's the thing. So much of what is going on in these super duper Republican state legislatures accepts the premise of the scientific lies that are being put out. We literally have a medical and scientific community that is just lying to us. All these doctors that won't shut up about masks, but they literally have nothing to say. What do you do if you're 75 years old, you get COVID, and it's not just losing your sense of smell, but you you appear to be getting a case that's very symptomatic. And you have fever. Now, like anything else, okay, it's a flu, but it does have the potential to go south on you. Freeze frame at that moment. We have, a, we have about five, six protocols and therapies that have been proven to be very effective. No, nothing's 100% proof. And their answer is nothing. They have nothing for them until if it is a case that they're going to have ARDS, they have trouble breathing, they call an ambulance, they're taken to the hospital, and at that point, they have nothing to offer them but $3,000 remdesivir, which doesn't work, or a ventilator. This is a crime against humanity. Some of you might have seen, this is a big story in my mind. The American Journal of Medicine, American Journal of Medicine, now recommends hydroxychloroquine. Okay? They now recommend it. And zinc and azithromycin is now their official protocol. But it's too late. The government hasn't put any money behind it. Not that it costs any money. Just to make it widely available. Mail it out to everyone. And yet it's hard for people to even get a hold of it through a doctor. That's the key with these antiviral drugs that are also anti-inflammatory. So you have that early on. One after another after another, we have studies that show it works. Dozens upon dozens of studies with this and ivermectin. But nothing. Everyone in this country knows about masks and six feet, which don't work. But how many 
know about all these protocols. That is what you could actually do. You look at the fire and you take the water to where the fire is. You don't do the moon dance and the rain dance and yoga. That, that, that doesn't help the fire. You put out the fire. This is the sick irony about all the COVID cultists. They destroyed life because they said this is so bad, except they refused to address and then worked to censor and almost criminalize the pursuit of early stage effective treatments. There's only one answer for that. It's truly sadistic how because Trump supported hydroxychloroquine, they blocked it. Truly sick. And then we have with the kids. The kids as well. We knew it was never a problem for them. And they lied nonetheless. But first, I want to just talk about our other sponsor today, ConstitutionCoach.com. Those of you who missed our defensive handgun training in Front Sight, Nevada, where we met dozens of patriots from this audience and other patriots as well that are new listeners now. We had the best handgun training together. We had the best constitution training at night with Rick Green. You guys don't know what you're missing. None of the people who went thought that I oversold it. They thought I undersold it. So folks, go to constitutioncoach.com. We have dates for March 25th, March 21st, and May 30th, as well as early June. I will be at the May 30th training. So if you want to meet, meet me, could schedule for May 30th. There's a two-day and four-day classes. Um, the four-day is only $50 more. It's $150. The two-day is $100. That's 90% off the regular front site, um, front site cost. When you go there, you're going to get other special deals as well. Um, so once you pay for your own trip, and, and look, you know, like I tell people, if you have the time to take off, make a vacation out of it, just plan more days before or after because those days that we're shooting were on the range. It's very intense and you're not going to want to miss it. So again, constitutioncoach.com, your best intellectual ammo and real ammo to fight back for this country. So children, we allowed this twindemic, this twindemic lie to, to be promulgated that we had to lock down a second time because we're going to have COVID plus the flu. But in reality, well, we knew that there wasn't going to be flu. You heard it here first already last summer. My buddy Kyle Lamb was the one who saw this before anyone, all the PhDs and everything. He was like, wait a minute, the flu disappeared. Okay. And Kyle predicted at the time that they would go and use – so the same people that said that we're going to have to be locked down because there's going to be a twindemic, when the, inevitably they see that there is no flu, they're going to take credit for the masks. And, and it, it's mentally ill that COVID continues to spread, and they're saying because we're not listening to the masks, even though we are. But the flu disappeared because of – the mass, even though it was every single 
RCT ever done on flu and mass show it doesn't work, even with healthcare workers that are more trained in it. The question was COVID, and that clearly we see it doesn't work. So somehow it works for COVID, works for the flu, but not for COVID would defy everything we know. But I just wanted you guys to know the truth about the flu. I do think that the flu has disappeared. A lot of people think that this means government's lying to us. No, I think genuinely there is an immunobiological phenomenon where if you have a predominant respiratory virus, not always, but sometimes it could box out another one. And the importance of that is that means that this is this year's flu. I'm trying to get the data, but I believe for the month of February in almost every part of the country, the hospitalization levels are actually lower than most flu seasons. Because COVID is the only flu, and we don't have the flu. Now, December was high, but February already, when it's down, we're actually right now, right now, better off than we were. So... That's something to keep in mind. Definitely something to keep in mind. And by the way, another interesting thing, there Ben Martin, my buddy from one of the buddies hooked into rationalground.com, he put out a, a scatter diagram. There's no correlation between excess mortality in 2020 and flu vaccination coverage. So, you know, sometimes they'll say, oh, well, it's because everyone got the flu shot this year. But no, there's no correlation between areas that had more of a flu vaccination and not an excess mortality. Nothing to do with that. And by the way, there's no flu in Sweden. There's no flu in Florida. There's no flu anywhere. And countries not doing lockdown. So that's the truth. I just because I know so, even some of our guys I think are getting getting the point wrong. They're trying to make a point that really it's not COVID, it's the flu, and government's lying to us. Government is lying to us, but it's a slightly different point. And you'll see why I'm where I'm headed with this. A couple of weeks ago, this guy M G Sunday. I know I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. S U N D E. At he publishes at Medium, The Unexpected Case of the Disappearing Flu. And he basically shows how all of the excuses they're giving is not are not true. So he notes that if the wearing of masks was capable of almost entirely removing influenza from circulation, then this approach would eliminate SARS-CoV-2. Indeed, SARS-CoV-2 virions which range from 50 to 200 nms, are similar to the size of influenza. And other beta coronaviruses, such as HCOV OC43 and HCOV HKU1, you know, because they're, I mean, this is a form of beta coronavirus. Now, now we know that they're spread by fine particle aerosols in indoor settings. An intervention that works for one should logically work for the other, at least somewhat. So that's why, I mean, this is the lie that they're continuing to push. 
I see even a lot of these conservative pundits are pushing this garbage. And, th- and this can come up in state legislatures now. And this is going to be used to say, look, you see, we went without the flu. See, we, we noted that as a good point. We said, look, I understand COVID could be a problem for some people. I understand you're going to have some hospitalizations. But if you don't have the flu, you can't say this is worse than, than at least a bad flu year, which we did nothing to shut people down. Because you're not having double duty. The hospitals were never going to be overrun. The issue is not hospital bed capacity. The issue is having the proper treatment protocols. That has nothing to do with lockdown. So this this is the big lie. Now he talks about this work... um, from Edgar Hope Simpson, the transmission of epidemic epidemic flu, influenza. We often call it the Hope Simpson curve. And he talks about a phenomenon. He wrote about this years ago. The vanishing trick has characterized most subsequent major and minor antigenic changes of influenza A. Strains that have been causing all the type A influenza in the world for perhaps a dozen years will vanish next season, be replaced elsewhere by a novel strain. He talked about this in um, 1946, I believe. So this is not something that is new. There is some sort of biological process that does this. According to researchers at Yale, it is likely that a 2009 autumn rhinovirus epidemic interrupted the spread of H1N1. So he makes it very clear that the disappearance of the epidemic influenza is incon- is incontrovertibly not attributable to non-pharmaceutical interventions, a.k.a. lockdown, a.k.a. North Korea. It's some sort of biological phenomena. That has to do with interactions between viruses. The reason why it's important to talk about this as being the culprit and the reality with the flu is when we're talking about school-aged children. We, we, we talk about the threshold for locking people down. We talk about the efficacy of locking people down. But what if I told you for children... We're actually at the point where they are enjoying a year of better health than ever. And we're, we're locking them down for something less than the flu because you don't have the flu this year. The version of the flu has a nuance this year, whatever you want to call it that it doesn't affect children nearly as much. In other words, not nearly as many get it as they get the flu, and most who get it either get it asymptomatically or maybe some in high school lose their sense of smell. They don't get a week of fever, very rarely. And that that would be the worst of it. So one of the things I wanted to share with you today in this vein, just one of the very things that we continue to allow happen and there's no legislation and they're not pushing this. Like I say, if you don't want to push back against the mass mandate for everyone, start with children where the virus, even if masks did work, are not a problem. 
look, my kids were never into sports, but for a growing number of Americans over this generation, sports is everything to kids. It's the interaction, it's the physical health, it's the sense of accomplishment. So in addition to schools being shut down, we've had sports be shut down, or where they could play, it's with this dangerous abuse and the masking. So in Wisconsin, they always had sports because um, basically that was when the state Supreme Court in May shut down the governor's order. So that's when youth sports opened up. So most in, in Wisconsin's interesting. And I, and I look, I give credit to the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. They've done a number of these surveys and studies on youth sports and mental health and transmission. I wanted to go over some of that data with you. And again, this is the type of stuff Republicans just don't talk about. They studied 30,704 high school athletes who played. So that's, that's a lot of people. It was in over 200 schools. 16,898 practices, practice events, and 4,378 games. During the late late September, early October, that was the peak of Wisconsin's spread. If you remember, Wisconsin for a while was the zone because they didn't have much before, so they had no built-up immunity. And then they got it, instead of the late fall, they got it in the early fall. That was like the first fall spread was really Wisconsin. So they had youth play. So it wasn't like you say, oh, Daniel, it was during a time there was no spread. No, this was the peak spread in Wisconsin. What did they find? 55% of those who... So first off, the the rate of infection among 14 to 17-year-olds in high school sports in Wisconsin was exactly commensurate with the rate of infection in the county of other 14 you know 14 to 17-year-old kids. So it was the same rate. There was zero extra spread from sport, sporting events. And they looked at who got it. 55% were attributable, attributable to household contact. 41% were community spread. There were just five kids, five in the entire state of this study that they were able to identify as having gotten it from school. And these are high school kids where might, there might be a slight more proclivity to spread than elementary school kids. Just five. And just one kid they think, got it from the sporting event. Now, they don't say what the it is. The it was probably an asymptomatic or bullcrap symptomatic nothingness that wasn't nearly anything beyond what, what the kid got in his entire life. Stomach flus where you're throwing up and feel miserable. I doubt he got that. This is another thing. Like We debate, oh, how much got? Okay, more or less. But then there's a question, what is the it? We're now shutting down kids for something that is less. I mean, you couldn't have invented something more Orwellian. For children, okay, for seniors it's different. But for children, this is less than a typical year, not just because COVID is less for them than the flu, but the flu has legitimately disappeared in my view. That's not a lie, by the way. It's what they're doing with it that's a lie. I know some disagree with me, but but the data says otherwise. 
They found no difference between contact versus non-contact, individual versus team sports. Very slightly higher rate for indoor versus outdoor sports, which is a reflection of what we see everywhere. Outdoors is ridiculous. But most sports is played outdoors. So you have children who aren't vectors of spread, who it's not a threat to them by any stretch of the imagination, outdoors, and they're shut down in many states, and where they are playing, like in Wisconsin, 86% were wearing masks. 84%. Okay? What did they find? There was no difference between the sample that wore masks or didn't. Now, the naysayers will say, well, Daniel, and they write this in the limitations of the study, well, um, the sample size of those not wearing a mask were too small. This is always the problem because everyone's forced to wear a mask. So, you know, you say you can't study it, but that's nonsense. Because the, the sport that had the most cases was football. That actually had significantly more cases among those wearing masks than not wearing masks. Very interesting. All for nothing. As I said before, an informal survey of 2,270 Minnesota high school athletes found that 74% of students reported experiencing at least one clinically significant symptom from wearing a mask while playing, including loss of consciousness, dizziness, and vomiting. 80% said it was harder to breathe. 52% said they experienced increase or excessive fatigue. There were 48 players reported as going to urgent care, 18 of them being taken to the ER. This is sadistic, all for a lie. You know, it's funny. A friend of mine showed me a study from the British Journal of Sports Medicine where they found, quote, the transmission risk during a rugby match is likely to be very low. And rugby, as you well know, is the, is the closest contact sport. So we're doing this physical damage with the masking for something that is zero threat. When have we ever done so much damage on a policy issue for an input that does zero? University of Wisconsin School of Medicine Public Health, if you remember last year, a lot of you might have seen this in July, they published a survey where they found of, of over 3,000 student athletes, this was a national survey, 68% reported feeling feelings of anxiety and depression um, among high school athletes that couldn't play. In October, they did a study, a survey of Wisconsin high school athletes, and they found that 80% of those who participated felt zero anxiety in their lives compared to just 26.4% who did not play a sport just 6.6% of those who played felt moderate or severe anxiety compared to 44.1% who did not. And nearly twice as many students who played sports reported experiencing no or minimal depression than those who did not participate in youth sports. Okay? Yet, according to CDC's current guidelines, CDC's current guidelines... 90% of counties in a red zone that they defined with their color-coded map should not have youth, youth sports. This is, this is the degree of lie we have allowed to spread like a cancer. 
because we have failed to create a movement behind the most important issue of our time. And to this day, it's still a problem. But these, uh, this is what I'm pushing now, to have speeches given before GOP caucuses in state legislatures. Look, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of ideas. I, know, I mentioned this before, but it's worth repeating for some of our new listeners. In 2019, there was a study published in Nature Neuroscience that observed, it wanted to study um, the craving for social interaction among lab rats. And it's a complicated study, but basically they injected rats with methamphetamine and got them addicted to meth. And then somehow simulated the pulling of levers where the rats would, would be able to sense what they could get. One lever would give them more meth and another one would give them interaction with other rats. And 90% of them chose interaction with other rats despite having been hooked on drugs. Are we going to treat our own children with the same dignity as rats? This is inhumane. If these interventions were very effective, this is something we'd really have to balance and study very carefully, given the collateral damage, and it might be worse than, than the benefit. But the fact that this stuff has proven to do nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, California, they're yelping about, now Now the new panic porn is, the variant is everywhere. The new variant. I thought that was only Florida because they weren't being careful. Hmm. The new variant. Well, they did everything that you can do. Oh, well, even if you get the vaccine, you gotta, you gotta... Lockdown, because the new variant. Well, you did lock down, and you did wear the mask, and you got the new variant. It's a mental illness. But this is what we got to push in the state legislatures. Now, I think people are scared, and politicians are scared of looking like they're not sympathetic to COVID somehow. So I think this is what it's important to really start pushing the state legislatures to push the hospitals and push the health departments to really put out clear-cut guidance to people on timelines and stages of what they're feeling and the, and the questions they should be asking of their doctor in the hospital and the treatment they should be seeking, and they should be mandating these protocols on the doctors and hospitals and making it available. Whether it's hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, Better publicizing, you know, um, the cocktail infusion that that Trump got, and and I think I think some states are doing a better job of that than others. But I mean, too many people still don't know what to do. So this is the big lie there. Now, in the remaining time, I just wanted to touch on several disparate issues, just first more on the virus stuff. One of the things that I think is good news, which really demonstrates the sense and need of urgency on our part to really start pushing is I think we are at a crossroads. I know it looks like 10 months where it's all the same and everyone's buying into the panic porn, 
But there are signs, and I think all of us in this industry kind of agree that the vaccine thing seems to be a potentially a turning point. Potentially a turning point. Okay? Um, and basically, basically, people are starting to see, you mean we did all this for nothing? That the whole vaccine and, and nothing changes? I still have to wear the mask. So now is the time to bang away at it. I'm not saying it's for sure going to be successful. I'm not, I, I would never underestimate the national psychosis, but now's the time to strike. So that's with that. Wanted to move on to just a couple other issues. You might have seen Mitch McConnell came out in support of Merrick Garland for attorney general. Despite everything he said, despite having the most communist it's not even communist it's sadistic two-tier justice as the potential attorney general in front of a committee hearing ever much more so than eric holder mcconnell says he's going to support him you know what because they're on the same side they believe in the same things this is the point this is how the overton window gets moved beyond 10 years ago five years ago the stuff that garland was saying would shock someone's consciousness and now Republicans are like, hey, he's well, well qualified. And this is what you have. He's a judge now. This is what you have on the federal bench everywhere. And a lot of Republican nominees tie into that. Now, speaking of the courts, <clears throat> this is another thing. This is our opportunity. We're at a crossroads with the courts as well. Where we need to push the delegitimization of judicial supremacism. Now it's laid bare in front of everyone that appointing better justices just won't cut it. Because they don't exist. And to the extent they do, the left has already rigged the game in a way that it's a one-way street. We're going to need this if we succeed in our red state project. The courts are going to come after us. Now's the time. Now is the time to strike. You're not going to benefit from judicial supremacism the other way. People think, oh, well, we could strike down Biden stuff. And some are going to look at today where the judge in South Texas made permanent injunction against Biden's suspension of deportation. But I find it funny. A lot of conservative writers are noting that, hey, the courts can't force Biden to deport. How do you put an injunction on the lack of a deportation? How do you force the executive branch to take an affirmative action? Gee, I wish they would have asked that when Trump was president and the courts were doing that. I've said that for a long time. It's funny, when the Democrats are in power, they recognize it. Like I've always said, the Democrats are going to teach you what neither force nor will looks like. States need to push back as well. We're not going to benefit from those injunctions because Biden won't abide by them. One more story is kind of a prelude to what I, at least as of now, plan on talking about tomorrow with a special guest. You know, this whole dichotomy between if you're a Trump supporter, you're a criminal. Even if you're not, you're held without bail for trespassing the Capitol when you're generally allowed to be there and the cops let you in. But we have the most violent murderers that are let out of jail only to murder. 
Like I say all the time, most of the heinous murders in this country are committed by people that should never have been let out of jail, but even the most high-level criminals do not serve time. This is from the AP. An Oklahoma man who had been released early from prison in January as part of a mass commutation effort is now accused of three killings, including the death of a neighbor whose heart he cut out, authorities said. A judge denied bail Tuesday for Lawrence Paul Anderson, yet yeah, now it's too late, who faces three counts of first-degree murder, one count of assault, one count of maintaining of maiming for the attack this month in Chicka, uh, Chickasaw, about 35 miles southwest of Oklahoma City. According to the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations, Anderson is accused of killing Andrea Lynn Blankmanship and cutting out her heart. Authorities say Anderson brought the heart to his aunt and uncle's house, cooked it with potatoes, and tried to serve it to them before killing Leon Pye, 67, wounding his aunt and killing Chaos Yates, the pair's four-year-old granddaughter. Anderson sobbed in court during an initial court appearance. I don't want no bail, Your Honor. I don't want no bail. Yeah, well, now it's too late. But here's the deal. He had been sentenced in 2017 to 20 years in prison for probation violations on drug cases. But the reality is now, I'm not reading from AP here. I'm not sure if they're going to mention it. But what I've seen is he had a bunch of firearms charges. Republican Governor Kevin Stitt commuted the last sentence, the sentence last year to nine years in prison. And Anderson was released after serving a little more than three years. Here you go. Here you go. And now he murdered four people. Folks, this is what I warned about forever. Oh, it's a probation violation for a drug charge. Yeah, but if you read his history, anyone with a brain would know he was out of he was crazy. And now they're saying he's insane. But this is the game they play. Before they do it, they don't say he's insane. If he's insane, then he needs to be locked up in an insane asylum. But he can't be let out in the streets. I warned you guys. I talked about this last year when Oklahoma did, under Governor Kevin Stitt, did a San Francisco-style release. It was the largest prison release in American history. And it never gets reported back when they wind up committing crimes. Well, here we got him. And I'll write on this. So we'll talk a little bit more about crime tomorrow. As always, sign up for ConAction.network. Got to run early today. Lots to do, but really honored to be here in front of you. Just wanted to make sure we got this out. We're going to keep giving you more action items. This show is about action. It's a movement, not just entertainment, but I hope you are entertained. Till tomorrow, God bless you all. Thank you for listening.